to Retro Rovers, a Bristol Rovers podcast. Retro Rovers, because the past is as important as the present. So welcome to yet another Retro Rovers podcast. Uh, it's another Hall of Fame podcast as well. So uh, delighted, delighted. Every week we, we sort of tease everybody on Twitter, uh, who, who do you think the next one's going to be? And every week... Everybody says it's got to be Harold. It's got to be Harold. It's got to be Harold. <laughs> and we've left Harold right to the end, but delighted that Hall of Fame entrant number nine is Harold Jarman. How are you doing, Harold? You okay? I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Really delighted to have you on. Uh, you're the first living inductee as well. So that's... that's... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, no, well, thank you. Thank you. Obviously, uh, joining us um, on from Retro Rovers, we've got Kev. Kev, how are you doing? I am, Mark. Yeah, great, great to uh, talk to you. Got Ash. How you doing, bro, man? I'm well, I'm well. And also joining us, we had to dip into our archive and, and get someone old enough to have seen Harold play. And we went for Goldie, <laughs> didn't we, again? So, Simon, <laughs> Simon, how you doing? You okay? I'm very good indeed. Thank you. Up the gas and Up all the, that nonsense. Exactly, exactly that. It's a, it's a happier time of year now, isn't it? Because we're towards the end of that season. So, it's all good. Harold, uh, this, when did you decide that football was going to be the career for you? Was, is there a pivotal uh, moment for you? I, that was a decision I never ever made. Okay, I'd, I was um, <clears throat> I was playing on the downs when I left school or before I left school, and then I had three brothers, one who played in the the Western League, and and two others, <clears throat> and the eldest one gave up, and the second one. Couldn't get a game on the downs with, with his with the team, so he went to play in a better league, which was the Premier Combination. Yeah, and uh, he said, "Come and join, come and join us," because all my brothers had gone then. Um, so that's when I left the downs, Clifton Villa, who I had a very very happy time with. And I went to play at Ashton Park <laughs> um, for Victoria Athletic. And on the Wednesday evening, we used to train on the city ground, run around the city ground a few times. That was our training. Um, and of course, on a Saturday, we used to have a good crowd for about half an hour. Because <laughs> <laughs> they walked through the park to the city ground. Yeah. They used to stop and and watch for five minutes and we had a good crowd <laughs> and, and until they kicked off on the city ground um and from there i played i played up until up until christmas and uh bristol rovers came down and bristol city weren't interested at, at all and so uh i started to play for the colts I just thought it was just a best, better stage of football in my career. Yeah. I didn't have any ambitions of saying, well, I'm going to be a professional footballer at all. I did wonder what I was going to do when I left left my apprenticeship, mind. Yeah. But, what did you um, have an apprenticeship in? I was, I'm a carpenter and joiner. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, fully qualified. Uh, but there were... T- there were th- things going on at cricket as well, where I was playing for Gloucester Seconds, 
Yeah, you were um, you were a fair I cricketer started as well, weren't you? Yeah. For seconds, and uh, so I, I, I and there and there, there again, I didn't imagine I was going to be a professional cricketer. So towards the end of that the first season with um, with the Rover, with the with the Colts, I was an amateur, <clears throat> and Fred, Fred Ford came up to me and said, "Bert Time wants to see you." So I said, "What for?" <laughs> and he said, the, "He said, well, what, what what do you think it's for?" I said, "I haven't. <laughs> I said I wouldn't know." And he said, "Well, perhaps he wants to wants you to sign." as a professional footballer. And it was as easy as that. That was literally, was there any build up to that? Did you know they were going to be coming in for you or was, did it come out of the blue? It, that came out of the blue. I was, I was enjoying my football with, with the Rovers Colts, Terry Oldfield and Joe Davis. Yeah. <clears throat> playing on a decent ground at Kingswood. It was the old Douglas train, old Douglas ground, which had a stand and a, and showers on, on in the dressing room and everything. It was it was lovely. <laughs> but um that 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 was my introduction to it. It's incredible. I, story. I, 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 the only uh, the only stipulation I said to the rowers when I signed it, I don't want to play in in the same sort of football as I'm playing now. And because they had an A and a B and a C team. Yeah. And uh, I was playing in the Colts. I would rather have gone back to playing in my with my mates on on the uh, uh, Ashton Park rather than than playing their age teams. How old were you then, Harold? Nineteen. Right. So you you and you were pretty much in the first team within twelve months, weren't you then? Yeah, I, I I signed for the Rovers um, in the May, and I played in the. I started off the first game I think in the Colts, and I scored a hat trick, so they put me in the reserves. And uh, I I played um, in the reserves until Christmas, and George Petherbridge um, got injured and we were playing Swansea on the Boxing Day. And, but he didn't tell me that I was in the team. All over, and I sweated all over the Christmas, thinking, well, what if I'm in the team? What if I'm out of the team? So I didn't enjoy that Christmas very much, really, because I was on tenderhooks. And I didn't know until I went into the ground on the Boxing Day that I was playing. It was a big win as well, wasn't it? You won 3-1, didn't we, that game? Yes, we did. Um, and two um, of, of our inductees scored the goals that day, didn't they? Alfie Biggs got a couple. And Jeff Bradford scored the other one. Did you set yeah. any of those up? Sorry? Did you set any of those goals up? Uh, no, I was in... I was in. I was away with the fairies, wasn't I? <laughs> you know. Had you always been hours. a winger, Harold? Did you, did 20, you always well, play on the wing? <laughs> 26,000 people were there and uh and I kept looking around I think oh, they're all looking at me you know it's <laughs> very big, difficult when it's a jump up from playing with your mates in the park isn't it that is for sure 
Sorry, so Kev, do you, want, do you want to repeat that question, Kev? Yeah, sorry, Harold. I was just going to ask, had you always played as a winger as a kid growing up? Was, was that, or did you no. sort of progress out there? No, I was, I was um, virtually converted to playing out, uh, on the, outside, outside right on the downs. Um, I always played as a centre forward in, in, my, in my primary. Uh, I, I suppose I was a bit better than the rest, whichever, play, whichever school team I played in. And so I was always in charge. So I always wanted to play centre forward. Always wanted a parting like Tommy Lawton. <laughs> uh, down down the middle, you know. Um, but I, I, uh, it wasn't until I went to the Rovers. Unfortunate, one of the unfortunate things about it was I was playing cricket with a lad that um, that played for the played outside right for the Rovers Colts. <clears throat> And they let him go to Salisbury, and he he got killed in a road accident um, when he was at Salisbury, and I sort of virtually took over it outside right from him. And it was just very sad because we we played cricket together as well, mm. and he was a super lad. So you made that spot your own, though, didn't you? Moving forward, I mean you. You made over 450 appearances for Rovers. You know, when you look back on that whole time as a player, what what are your highlights from that whole period? Oh, just being fortunate to be a professional footballer, really. Yeah, it's every day is. Bill Dodgson used to say, "Every day is Christmas Day." Um, you going into going into uh, doing something that you love doing you're you're so lucky if you're a professional footballer yeah you know it's it's an absolute absolute privilege to uh to be a footballer or a cricketer and and to do both i was gonna say yeah and get married <laughs> that's obviously the highlight number three Harold. <laughs> ash did you have have a question um, yeah, Harold, you took over in the team from George Pepperbridge, I think. Did you find that difficult? Because George was obviously a, a firm favourite. I found that very difficult. <laughs> George was very, very popular. He was a little fella. He was a good player. He, and the crowd loved him. Mm. And I, I spent two or three years trying to convert the crowd. I was not, not um, subcon- well, subconsciously trying to get their support on my side because I was always a, always a, a lad who loved to be loved. Mm. And uh, <laughs> taking over for George, I wasn't loved. They didn't love me at the time. In fact, I've got a, I've got a headline on a, on a, on a, uh, on the Pinken inside when they used to write articles about you. And the headline is Jarman must ignore the boo boys. Now, People don't know, didn't realise this. Was that and, you, Goldie? Uh, well, no, it, it, it definitely wasn't because I, I started watching the Rovers in 1963 and Harold was in the team that played against Crew Alexandra when I, I, I first went down there when I was about six or seven. So I reckon you'd have been about 22, 23, Harold, something like that. 63? Yeah. 24. 
24. So that you probably you'd probably earned your stripes by then because I remember you, Alfie Biggs. I was very much at the end of Jeff Bradford's era, so I didn't see much of Jeff, but certainly yourself, Alfie Biggs, and people like Ray Mabbott and Terry Oldfield, Joe Davis were the were the linchpins then. But you were very much the favourite, weren't you? By that time, you were the fans' favourite. Um, I was beginning to be. Um, we we played we played QPR in a um, in a League Cup match, and it, up there, and this is when QPR had Rodney Marsh, and that that's where this thing came from, um, because the haunting sound that it made. Rodney, Rodney uh, and this is where I think a few of the Rovers fans um, got hold of it and started it but um, yes I, I, I suppose I started to be a, a Rovers favourite if you like um, about that time yeah well there's no doubt you were because to me as a sort of six seven eight year old the things I remember most are you getting the ball out on the wing on the halfway line and doing a couple of jinks and then going outside the fullback and Alfie perhaps nodding one in or, or you belting one in from 20 yards, you know, and, and that was, that was, that's what I, I can remember. And I've just said to some friends of mine to, who, who go down every week. And I said, you know, when I was a kid, Harold was by far my favorite player because he, he made he made football fun and it was fun you know it was great you get the ball to Harold a bit later on it'd be Ray Graydon on the other side or Bobby Jones perhaps but we got forward in numbers and went flying forward and Harold was just like the sort of wing wizard you know mm. I, I also said to my mates and this might be a bit embarrassing but you're as close to Stanley Matthews as I think I ever saw is that unfair or is that being a bit <laughs> Well, I looked a little bit like him. I must yeah, admit. That's what it was. <laughs> Peter, Peter, Peter Hooper uh, used to call me Stan. Did he? Did he? He never called me Harold. He always called me Stan because of it. Yeah. And uh, you know, over the years, I've become a better and better player every year. <laughs> well, really I've got good better done. and better ever since I picked, ever since you retired. Uh, ever since I packed up. It's not but a bad no, comparison yet. I mean, Stanley Matthews. There's a comparison. Is is as far up there as you could get at that point, I should imagine. But he was Harold was that sort of man who played out wide and had that ability to take on his fullback. Am I right in thinking Harold generally it was sort of you were just marked by a fullback? It wasn't anybody else coming across and. Picking no, you're very up. no, you're very right there. You're very true. It was, um, and you were sort of judged on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you if, you know the, the papers used to judge you on whether you taken on your fullback, come inside, done done individually, how well you've done against the fullback, yeah, or how well an inside right done against his uh, wing half, yeah, yeah. Um, that was uh, that's how it's changed. Yeah, it, you know? it it was there was always a buzz of excitement when Harold got the ball. I was used to sit on the wall underneath the. Um, floodlights for the dog track which had been folded back 
mm. and you had to yeah. sort of tangle your legs up around the floodlights. And if you were caught with your legs the wrong side of the wall, you were in trouble. Otherwise, you had to sit with your back to the game, but look over your shoulder. It was a nightmare. <laughs> but it was great fun. And you were, and you felt like you were really, really there as a kid. You know, you're right close to the action. It was great fun, you know. And uh, and we had a great attack inside in those days as well, didn't we? It was, you know, when you think, you know, some of the players we had, it was, uh, it was a tremendous outfit. And uh, it was well, one of the players that you forgot to mention was Bobby Jones. Yeah, yeah. Bobby, Bobby scored over 100 goals for the Rovers as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. How highly did, did you rate for, Bob? Can I ask a question, Harold? How highly yeah. did you rate Bobby? Very, very high. He's the quickest man I've ever seen on a football field. Really? So we had a massive dilemma, didn't we? About I mean, Bobby James came within an inch of his life of making it into the Hall of Fame this time out. But you know, he just fell short. But we had we had a real dilemma. I think it was Kev that, that brought it was you, Kev, wasn't it? That, that was really rooting for Bobby James. I was rooting point. for Bobby, yeah, in our discussions. Uh, although they were all they're all convivial discussions, but you know, yeah. I, I just felt, felt statistically he, he was he was definitely a challenger. But then there's he, there's so many other players that we could have picked as well. So. Yeah, sure. I think there's a story behind who he lost out to. Because Sam Sam's told me, did you have something to do with Mickey Barrett coming to Rovers? Was it? Uh, Mickey Barrett, I signed Mickey Barrett. There we go. Um, I was looking after Rover, Rover's kids at the time. And, uh, but at the same time, I knew of Mickey Barrett because I'd been living in uh, where I did at um, Southampton at one stage. Yeah. And uh, I knew, I, I know a lot of people around this area. And Johnny Watkins was in, was in charge of Southampton, who, Mickey Barrett played for, and the story. I mean, he he played in the Fry's Cup against us, and he 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 killed us. He he just ran the game, and we were, we were having kids that were supposed to be on the edge of professional football, and this this one was just playing local football. Mm. So I asked Johnny Watkins. And John said, no, he's too interested. He's, he's not interested in playing for the Rovers or anything. I said, well, can I have a word with him? And John said, well, yeah, you can have a word with him, yeah. So at, at the time, I knew that Mickey was on his way to Manchester United to have a trial. And uh, he'd given up his job as a postman to... Um, try and get himself fit. Well, the hardest thing in the, in the world to try and get yourself fit is to do it on your own. Mm. You need somebody to motivate you. <clears throat> so I said, oh, all right. I said, would you like to come down to the Rovers ground to him? He said, well, I'm going to Manchester United. I said, well, that doesn't make any difference. <laughs> I said, come down the Rovers ground. I said, join in with the training. He said, well, I'll come down for a few. Uh, I'll come down this week, he said, at the time. So I went. So he came down and he joined in and the kids made, because they talked about it afterwards, after the, after the, the game that I'd mentioned, uh, that this bloke was a good player, this kid was a good player and everything else. And I said, well, yeah, make him welcome. 
and uh, which they did. <laughs> it was just a little bit of psychology, I suppose. Yeah. Just a small bit. After a week, he didn't want to leave. <laughs> that's, amazing. that's amazing. I never knew about that Man United link. No, no way. Oh, yeah. And then I put him in reserves, didn't I? And that helped. <laughs> he wasn't going to play at, uh, at the, the ground at Shirehampton. He was going to play at Swansea Towns ground. That's, a, that's amazing. It's, 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 a, it's a big persuader. And, yeah. and he's, he's thinking, well... If I miss out at Manchester United, I might I might have missed out at Bristol Rovers as well. Absolutely. And then uh, Bob Campbell signed him, didn't he? Obviously, Harold. Once you showed him Eastville, Old Trafford couldn't compare. <laughs> no. Well, it's all the people at Eastville, all the supporters at Eastville. That all the, all they get up there is the, their what's name guests. Prawn sandwich brigade. Prawn sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He was he was a wonderful talent, though, Mickey. He was he great was talent, unbelievable. Did you know, having seen him at that 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 one game, that this was a kid that was going to make it? Yes, yeah, he did. You knew straight away. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it was it's, he, he could he could he could slide past you. He could he could score goals. It was um, and there was another one that I wish I could have had it. Um, Eastwell. Was a kid called Price um, from Armisbury. Oh, Steve Price. Stevie. Yeah, I remember Stevie played three in the... times. I three times I put him in the team, and three times he pulled out. Really? Uh, yeah. Because he, no. he he played for Armisbury in the FA Vars final, didn't he? Yeah. Now he could he scored goals for a pastime. Yeah, he, could. he scored over five hundred goals. Yeah. In in um, local football. Yeah. Or amateur football. Yeah. But if he couldn't have scored 100 goals in league football, I'll eat my hat. Really? It's amazing. Why, isn't it? why did he? Why did he not take the the plunge? And was that because he had the he had the wrong attitude? Really. All oh, right. Fair enough. He had had he had the right had he wanted it. Yeah. He he could have had it. It's about mindset. I don't think it? he believed he he, he wanted no. it. There were some and, great uh, players in that Almondsbury team. Chris Tudor. Um, a guy called Tuvy, another mate of mine called Nigel Jordan, who, who was on the bench at Wembley. They had a really good side for a village team, didn't they? At those, at... Well, they did. They did. And Stevie Price made that team. Yeah. Yeah. And the number of goals he scored. Mm. Ah. Interesting, that. So, uh, you know, so I did my bit for Bristol Rovers. Oh, God, more than that. <laughs> you, you did more than your bit. I would say. I was just saying then, Harold, you signed Jeff Twentyman as well, didn't you? Because he said on the radio earlier on that the first time you met him, <laughs> yeah, the first time you met him, you said to him, "Jeff, you'll never leave Bristol." And he That's said, right. All, right, "All right, Harold, whatever." And he said, 35 years later, he's still there." Yeah, I signed him, and I signed him. Goldie told me to go and sign uh, to to um, get Twentyman on trial, and I signed him in the car park at Preston, and we got him down. <laughs> And we were going to play Arsenal Reserves. Now, Arsenal Reserves is like, it was their, their second first division team. I mean, there was Woodcock, Davis. They have about five, six internationals. All I had was just 20 men and a load, load of kids. <laughs> that sounds like Rovers. I was more nervous than what they were. 
<laughs> I was nervous they were going to put 15 past us. How many did they put past us? Six. Oh, it wasn't too bad. I wasn't too bad. So Gordy said, well, how did he do? I said, well, it would have been 12 without him. I said, he gave, he gave the defence stability, encouragement. He did all the things that a, a, a seasoned professional uh, does. And I said, he'd be all right for us. He and once he told me a story, Jeff, about the fact that he signed for Rovers he went home to his mates in Liverpool that summer and said, oh, I'm going to be playing at Eastfield for Bristol Rovers. And it was one of them that told him, oh, no, they're not playing at Eastfield anymore. They've moved to Bath. And that was the first he'd ever heard that Rovers were moving to Twerton Park. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, we... we... <laughs> you did tell him that bit. You just left that bit out. I love that. <laughs> no. No, it's not quite true because Cooper was in charge then, wasn't he? And Bobby Gold signed him, I think. Was it? No, that was right. Yeah. Gold, Goldie was in charge. Yeah, he took him to Toronto. Yeah, Goldie he? was in charge. Definitely. And definitely. Uh, Cooper was in charge when the, well, he was in charge of the last game when the sand burnt down. Yeah, yeah, he would have been there at that point. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, let's go back to your playing career a minute then. So, you know, at 452 games, 127 goals as well from a winger. That's a hell of a rate. Well, well, I reckon it was more than that. It was for 502 games, including the, uh, including the uh, cup games. Right, okay. Uh, maybe, yeah. And 143 goals. Most of those cup goals were harder to score against than what the league goals were. But uh, Well, that uh, makes yeah. your, your rate of scoring even better then. Pardon? That makes your scoring rate even better. Yeah, well, I, I went to Newport and I was top goal scorer down there. Um, I almost don't want to give you Newport stats now, just in case they're wrong, but um, I've got 40 appearances <laughs> and eight goals. Is that right? Yeah, but they found another one somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and um, while we're talking about your playing career, it's remiss of us not to, to talk about your your 18, according to me anyway, 18 games for New York Cosmos. How did that come about? Uh, well, uh, there was a chap in charge of Harvard University that came over. And uh, he came over and he went into Doug Hillard's shop and I happened to be there at the time. And he was a good friend of a lad that had been on trial at the Rovers ground early in in uh, early in the sixties, Gordon Bradley. Yeah. Gordon Bradley was at Carlisle, and he came down for a week's trial, and I I got on very very well with him. Now the the, the other chap came, uh, who was at Harvard came from, he was at Frenchy, and he knew Gordon Bradley. He said, "Would you like to? Would would you be interested in going to New York for?" A, for a season, or you know, for for, for the summer, mm. I said, just off, just off my, you know, I said, yeah, why not? And um, the next thing I knew, Gordon Bradley had come over. I had a letter, and, I, and Gordon Bradley had come over from Cosmos or from New York. Yeah, and uh, 
came to watch at Newport. And then he went to, we, we played Exeter as well. And he, he saw me there. And uh, I had a phone call from him and we, we arranged to meet and um, that's how it came about. At the end of the season, I left Newport. <coughs> the um, Newport chap said to me, you don't want to play in our reserves, do you? And I said, no, not really. I said, I don't really want to play in your first team either. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so that was the end of that, wasn't it? So going to New York then, how was that? I mean, how, for, did you have to sell that to the wife or did you just say, we're, listen, we're off? Well, I had to I had to be very nice to her for a week. Or well, two. I was going to say, yeah. That's a bit of an ups, up, up. I had lift. to promise her a holiday. Well, you would took her to New York, so that's probably as good as... But how was that? I, I, that was a good sell as well. Yeah, and it would have been, yeah. A bit like Mickey Barrett's story. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. absolutely. So what was it like living and playing in New York? Did you... Because they had some big names, didn't they, at that point? No, they didn't have any big names. It was the following year oh, okay. I left that they had the big names. But it was strange because people were a lot of young, uh, uh, a lot of players were coming from England to play out there, and uh, and it was strange because you didn't know whether you were going to play on AstroTurf or. And in those days, that was it wasn't the AstroTurf that they got today. Yeah. It was like, con- like, like concrete. So bric-a-brac, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember. And uh, we, he said, we we're going to play on a grass pitch. And I thought, I just, I've just played all my life on a grass pitch. <laughs> what, what, what other, other pitches is there? You know. Anyway, the the very I I, I uh, we left here about. 12 in the morning on a flight and we sort of got there at 12 in the hour, 12, 12 o'clock at the same time. Uh, and they, they had a game at night. After this five hour or seven hour flight, they had a game at night on a, at the university. And uh, it was on this AstroTurf and I'd never played on this in my life before. And uh, we drew two-two against the university side, and I scored. So that was all right. Good start. And then from then on, well, you you were getting sound. I, I first the first change I noticed was I had my name on the back of my shirt. Mm, yeah. Now that didn't happen over here. And uh, and then the second. We were we flew everywhere. Yeah, we were owned by Warner Inc. Uh, Communications or Inc. the the uh, big film people. Yeah, I had I had a, an old car, an old VW that they, they let us have. You can imagine this in all the big big roads in America. Mm-hmm. Every time we stopped, I had to put the mudguard back on. <laughs> Uh, so it wasn't quite as glamorous as one thought, but it was. It was interesting. It was interesting. So Graham Day, a... Graham Day made the trip out, didn't he? After you, sorry, Graham Day went out there as well, didn't he? Would that have yeah, been... but he went out a bit later, didn't he, Graham? 
Would it have been? Would you have paved the way for that, or was that just completely separate? Yeah, it was just they 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 already had a go in the in the late fifth in the late fifties at one stage, and this is a this is why there were like Clive Toy, who was a journalist over here. He was in charge of. Um, he was a chief operating officer in in for New York Cosmos, and. Uh, Gordon Bradley was around in that time, so they they were first in. Right. It was the start of the second time when Pele came because Pele, yeah. Pele changed all of it. Yeah. I mean, they built a they built a huge stadium on the back of Pele. Yeah. He replaced you, didn't he? Let's see. They had to sign to replace you with Pele. Is that correct? <laughs> they needed, as as could, they needed to replace how... me. I always told that story yeah. that they needed to replace <laughs> replace me, so they got Pele. You went to Man United, didn't you, Harold? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to get to that, Kev. I don't know. About it was, Did I, I make your joke, Bruno? No, well, I just think <laughs> I've, never, I've never known Mangus Ford United sign anyone from New York Cosmos before or since. <laughs> but they did with we you. Had a, we had a Manchester United uh, apprentice come and play for or come on, on the staff at New York. It's amazing. He didn't play too many games, but he, How long, he was, were you just there for the one season, were you? Just one season, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I had a phone call from um, Gordon Bradley one day. He wanted he wanted to know if uh, any youngsters uh, were good enough here who just missed out, would they like a university scholarship over there? Yeah. And I asked him, was I retained for the following season? And um, he said, yes, yes, you could have come back. And I thought, oh, my God, I don't <laughs> say that to my son. Uh, he said, you could. So this is how the story story uh, sort of escalated a little bit. And said that, that um, instead of me going back, they, they went and bought Palais. Right. I, I said, well, it cost him a million pounds. He said, what? I said, how much did it cost? He said it cost 10 million. It's amazing. And that was to bring him out of retirement. Because he'd been bankrupt twice. And uh, it cost it cost New York 10 million pounds. And it was worth every penny. Well, he launched the league that around is, him, didn't he? That is something to be worth every... Every penny of ten million pounds yeah. in 1974. Yeah, absolutely. Ash. Yeah, I wanted to take you back to your Rovers playing days just very quickly, Harold. How did you find playing against Bristol City? I'm sure I heard a story of your your first game. George Pepperbridge gave you some advice that you didn't take. You're all about George, aren't you? Yeah. Every time, every time, every time we came up, it came up. Bristol City. We were playing Bristol City. George used to get a bit nervous, mm. <laughs> so in this in, on on this occasion he he um, he decided not to play, and so I was I was putting put in the, in the, in this team, and George came up to me and said, uh, uh, he said if I were you, I thought, he said I would. I wouldn't bother to try and go outside of Thresher. 
And I thought, you, you do as young kids, because you think, what? What sort of advice is that for, for George to give me, me of all people, big-headed so-and-so? <laughs> so I said, yeah, all right, George. He said, he said he's very, he turns very quick. He said, then he, he can't do the same on the inside. So I said, thanks very much, George. <laughs> Disregarding it all straight away, you know. We go out, play against Bristol City. Ball comes. Straight away, have a go at him. Outside. Went to go on the outside, landed up in the stand. Didn't I? <laughs> I thought, you're George, you were right. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never, I'll always believe you in the future. <laughs> that was amazing. Because, uh, yeah, he was very quick. And the funny thing about it is he couldn't, he, he, when she went inside of him, he, he was just very ordinary. But he was very quick. I mean, I saw him, I saw him play against um, Blackpool, against Dan Matthews. And, and Stan hardly had a, had a kick on the outside. And Stan, Stan Matthews always went on the outside. But, um, yeah, that was a bit of advice that George gave me. And he was very good. And you listened to him from there on in. Oh, yeah. We were great friends. <laughs> what, was the, what was the scouting like? Because obviously nowadays, Harold, teams have mountains of scouts that watch all sorts of games and video footage back then did you really have that sort of insight into opposition or you had local scouts you very rarely had scouts that went well you didn't have a scout to go and watch opposition um you had you you may have or even then the reserve team manager, if 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 they wanted to buy a player, he would he would go. <coughs> excuse me. He would go and watch the um, player who, who who you were interested in, or they would judge it from the time that you played against them. <coughs> but we didn't get a, a chief scout until Bill Dodging came, and that was in. Ooh, 67 six and bill dodging used to do all the would would do the scouting then but he was the only chief scout in in the football league that didn't have a car <laughs> again that's just so rovers isn't it he couldn't drive <laughs> that is so rovers it's very true do you know when i was when i was a manager <laughs> The physio left, so we didn't have a physio. The uh, the youth team coach was playing in the first team, or, or and uh, Bob Jones helped, so that was one other. And I had a part time physio on a Saturday, and that was playing second division football. That's mad. That was all of our staff. Now they've got about 24 of them, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. It's an enormous amount. It's a, it's a complete... I don't begrudge time. anybody a job, but it seems a bit uh, a bit strange. 
What do you think of modern football nowadays, Harold, compared to when you do you find the game a lot different? Or well, I was just used to say in my time that if if the football doesn't improve, hasn't improved, then we haven't done our job, and it, it's it's. It's a different game to some extent because in our day, it was you had to go forward, you had to want to win the game all the time, so you didn't bother what was happening behind. Well, you, when I say you didn't bother, you didn't organise it like like they do now. Um, I'm not sure that it's a more interesting game. Uh, I I watch an enormous amount of football really on my on my tablet. The more around the world, and it, basically it's all the same. You know, you get your. Do they call them right backs? You say, yeah, yeah. Um, right back, centre half, centre half, left back, back again, back again, goalkeeper, boot. Lower you go, the more they boot it. <laughs> and, uh, and I watched. Uh, Manchester City last night, they must have put 40 passes to, uh, together and they were still in the same place. Uh, it never it never happened in my time. And I appreciate that the game has changed and that that's the sort of game that people are being brought up on now. But we always had the attitude that we wanted to win the game. Well, we used to do end up losing 6-3 or 4-2 or something like that. But that 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 was football. And I, th I thought it was more interesting in, in our days. It was more interesting probably because we made more, more mistakes. I but, agree. I agree. I think it was better back in the day. Goldie. I was, I, I was, I was thinking it was better to watch for, for the supporters. Yeah. I was going to ask Harold uh, who his sort of favourite players from his era were uh, within the Rovers lineup. Oh well, Jeff was one. Jeff Bradford was. You 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 play play with people and you have confidence in them. Alfie was Alf was another one. I used to love playing with Bob Jones because. And Bob played it outside left, and we and I played outside right. Um, I had a I had a job to. You always had to get on the far post. The, whenever you you spoke to somebody or the opposition winger, see you on the far post. <laughs> you had to be in there. If the ball came across and you didn't you you didn't get in on the far post, boy, you were in for a rollicking, weren't you? Quite right. If I wasn't there. Um, Joe Davis I admired. Joe was probably the best two-footed player that I've that um, I've seen. Natural two-footed, I mean, not people that have made themselves. But whichever foot uh, it came to, he, he could play it very easy, which was unusual in our days. Um, Peter Hooper, what a shot! Crikey, he could have kicked the ball from Devon to Cornwall these days. It was unbelievable. We had a free, we had a free kick in training one day, 
and Fred, Fred Ford uh, lined up the wall. I was in the wall. Bob Jones was in the wall. I mean, all the, all the, all, you know, all the, the strong players were in the wall, and Peter Hooper taking it just for practice. And up he came to take it, and as he started to kick the ball, the wall collapsed <laughs> deliberately. They all fell over. They thought, well, no, if, if Hooper strikes his right, some, one of us is going to get killed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Kev. Uh, Harold, as a player, how was what was your relationship like with the manager, with, with like Bert Tan at first, I suppose, and then... Was, did, did you uh, do you think they as managers would get on with players now? Uh, again, that's that's difficult because when you're playing, when you're playing for the the amount of money that they're playing for today, even at down at our level, you know, even down in the third and fourth division, um, you have to be. It was different in in those days. The the, uh, the the manager was the be all and end all. He was the boss, and that was it. Um, Bert Time was a, Bert Time was a great, to be honest, was a great talker. He wasn't a coach. He was a great uh, talker. He could talk the same subject four different ways, and you'd still be there two hours later, <laughs> thinking, "I've missed my dinner again." You know. But he, he was because he was he was secretary of the the the, the managers association, so, so they regarded him with a with a great deal of respect. Actually, um, Megson, well, Maggie was all right. Dodging was full of. Uh, Dodging was okay. Uh, and Fred was Fred was a nice bloke. Fred Ford, mm. he was a decent fella. Um, so you got a job in '79, did. didn't you? I did, yeah. So did that come well, as a surprise when you when you got appointed? I, can you remember the well, circumstances yeah, around I, that? I, again, I was working for Bob Bob Cameron and loved it because I was the youth team coach. I had a good side. We were as good as anybody in the country at the time. Had a good side, lovely dressing room, and uh, I, I that 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 would have been my forte in football to have done that for the next twenty years. But unfortunately, um, we had a lot of strife at, at, at the time at Eastville, and they decided to get rid of Bob and um, Pete Terry and Gordon Bennett said. You're going to be asked to go to the board, room, board meeting tonight. So what we would like you to do is to go down there and say yes. So I said, all right. So I went down to the board meeting and they said, would you look after the team for the next... until we appoint a new manager? And I said, yes, daft. Uh, and I, I've never... It was such a stressful time. I didn't. In, I didn't really enjoy it like I enjoyed the kids. Yeah. But we did well. But we did all right. I mean, we 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 were bottom when I was when I took over. And we were okay at home, but 
we were we were rubbish away. We couldn't go even. We couldn't get points away, and it was dependent on <clears throat> how many points that we could manage to get away. That uh, whether we stayed up or not. Yeah, sure. And fortunately, we won. We won one, and we drew drew about four or five, six, which down at the when you're down at the bottom, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Very important for your for, for the uh, team's con- confidence. Would you have wanted to have stayed? Did you only Sorry. want it for that? Did you only want the job for that period of time? Once you, I kept, did really. You didn't want to stay any longer as a manager. I wanted to stay in football. Yeah. But I wanted to stay in football. This this is the first time I've ever said this. But I wanted to stay in football and look after the the youth team. Yeah. But they wouldn't have that. They wouldn't have that at all. They made me assistant. Uh, well, it was it was all up in the air at the time. It wasn't it wasn't a very pleasant time. Yeah. Very difficult to do a job when um, when your chairman and your vice chairman don't want you to do it. Mm. And this is what supporters did. And I felt sorry for supporters because we, what we needed, we, we needed support all the way around. The reason I um, asked that question did. is I was chatting to my dad today about it. I said I was, we were meeting tonight and we were doing this. And he said, I always felt like Harold got shafted a little bit as a manager. He, he wasn't given the opportunity to carry on and he should have. Yeah, you could say that. Um, I didn't really want. I didn't really want. I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't the man to, to to go for four or five, ten years as a manager. Yeah, yeah sure. But I was. But I was good enough and 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 worked hard enough to be a youth team, be a, uh, with young players. Yeah, I usually love young players, and you you could um, <clears throat> whatever you did. Uh, and you encourage them to play. And I used to say to them, show me what you can do, because I know what you can't do. <laughs> and uh, and they used to look at me and I said, yeah. Brilliant. So I encouraged them. It's a bit like playing, really, because I wanted to enjoy, enjoy myself and have a go. I didn't, re- I, I didn't really want to chase up and down after some big, hairy fullback. Trying to win, trying to win balls and tackles. That wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I wanted to be creative. I wanted people to enjoy whatever I did. Yeah. I so who was the manager who took over from you then, Harold? Cooper, Terry Cooper. Cooper. I thought it probably was. Yeah. Was Cooper already yeah. playing there at the time? Yes. Yeah. Cooper was absolutely brilliant at home. He was, yeah. At home. Yeah, but not so good. When he went away, he was rubbish. (laughs) Honestly, you you wouldn't, the difference was because he wanted a job as manager. Right, right. uh, He he didn't put his heart and soul into it. Mm. But as a footballer, he was a good player. Mm. He was a really good player. And he did a lot. I think Ash has been dying to ask a question for about 10 minutes, so better let him in. I pressed it by accident then, but I did have a question earlier on for you, Harold, was 
There are two. Other, you've mentioned quite a few other players that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame so far, but there are two other players that you would have played with and known, which would be Jackie Pitt and Stuart Taylor. What were they like as players and as people? Well, Big Stu was like the ship in the desert, wasn't he? The way he ran. I mean, today they get six foot nine blokes running 10, 10 seconds for the hundred yards. Well, they didn't. They didn't in our days. Um, <laughs> No, but big. He, he he was Mr. Consistent. Very, very rarely did the the, um, did the playing performance drop, uh, or very rarely did it. Well, not very rarely, but there were times he was just absolutely there every week, every week, good enough to play, played his game. Um, a lot of respect for Big Stew. Uh, he wasn't the, the the best of runners, but he was a good, good center half for Bristol Rovers. Mm. Very, very good center half. And pity, well, I didn't play a lot. I didn't see him. I, I, unfortunately, I was a Bristol City supporter mm. until I was 19. How about that? We'll edit sorry that. About that. We'll edit that. Yeah, we, we won't let that become known, Harold. Don't don't worry. Well, I did. I I did get born in Hot Wells, so it was very. And yeah. Not many people had cars in Hot Wells in my time, to take me out to the Rovers Ground. I could walk to Bristol City Ground. That's not an but, excuse. Um, but Jack, Jack, they 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 all said he was a good player. He was a very clever player. I mean. He always gave you the impression that he was he was aggressive and all this, but as a footballer, he was a very good footballer, apparently. Mm. And I, I I got on very well with Jack. He was there for a number of years. He did all kinds of jobs, didn't he, Jack, in the end? Well, he took over as... Um, he did the coach. He, he, he took over as coach of the Rovers at one year at the we were there, but it uh, it, it didn't go down well with him. He he, he wasn't suited to that. No. Um, and he he looked after the Colts, which was all right. Um, but then he went on to the ground. Yeah. And he did a good job as a groundsman. Yeah, he was very, very good. good. Yeah, he did. Mm. Yeah. Always a nice bloke to talk to as well. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. I know your grandson is sat with you as well, Sam. Yeah, we could pop Sam on as well for a minute. Sam, what's it like? What's, what's it like to have this fellow as your granddad? Then you must be immensely proud. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. I think the thing that people forget is, um, for me and my cousins, he is granddad. Yeah. Um, and so. I think for a very, very long time, until I was about 13 or 14, he was just granddad. And we'd go down the Rovers and there'd be this fuss. People would come up and shake his hand. Oh, who's that granddad? Oh, I don't know. That's just somebody. <laughs> no. He'd go on a pitch at halftime. There'd be like cheering and, you know, the, the chance would start. But, you yeah. know, he's just granddad. And I think he, uh, a book came out. It was a, a book on Bristol Rovers greats. And I sat on a table with granddad, Peter Hooper, George Petherbridge, Bill Roost, and um Don't yes that was it joss josser that's the book right there yeah that's one bristol rovers great and granddad being granddad and you know because he's been at rovers for such a long time was doing his thing 
meeting people, you know, chatting to people or this. And I'm sat in between Mr. Prethbridge and Mr. Hooper, which I can tell you was a wonderful experience. I've heard some wonderful stories, but both, you know, two very, two blokes telling me what a player my granddad was. Mm. Um, it was just amazing. And, and I started to get a graft then. And then granddad introduced me to Barry Hales, who I'd seen on Match of the Day playing in the Premier League. And he's telling me what a player granddad was. So then you start to get an understanding actually he's not just granddad yeah he's bristol rovers legend and 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 i think as i've got older and the the years have gone on um you know they 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 did a book about granddad by itself it you understand and he's he is a bit of a as we we call him uh it's a, a family joke is we call him a leg end yeah so you know it's it's really nice and it's wonderful and it, it you know the stories that you get to hear from him you know about the players he's played against, the people that he's played with, and yeah, it's it's it is it's cool. I will, you know, I'm happy to admit it's cool to have a granddad that's a Bristol Rovers legend. Yeah, I think it's probably right up there. That would be absolutely. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Tell you what, what Sam, you'd have loved it as well if you, you know, if you'd been there back in the seventies when um, late sixties, early seventies, we played a number of Tuesday night League Cup ties against big <laughs> sides, and we gave them bloody good hidings, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the the atmosphere there and that was that that was really when I remember it most uh, uh, you know Harold picking the ball up and charging forward down the wing and you know big blokes that you'd seen on the telly struggling to cope with the Rovers going forward and then the and then the cheer of Harold 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 coming up from the north enclosure which was just the place to be you know it was a fantastic experience and you know lives with me live with me for the rest of my life I'm sure it will, will with your dad you know or your granddad. Uh, and and he was he, he truly was a legend and as I said before probably my favourite Rovers player. There's touch and go because I liked Alfie Biggs. I I really like Ricky Lambert and I really like Warboys and Bannister. But those are my five favourites. And I like Stuart Taylor as well. And I like <laughs> <laughs> the list goes on. The list it goes does, on. But your dad's right at the top of it. I tell you that. So your granddad, sorry, is right yeah. at the top of it. Yeah, so you should be very proud of him indeed. He was a, he is truly a, a Rovers legend. And, you know, what's great, isn't it, is he finished with playing for the Rovers, what, 40, 45, perhaps even longer than that. And yet pretty much every Rovers fan knows who he is, don't they? I, I think I think for me that's, that's a big thing, is that um, there are people that are my age who I've got to know through Rovers who know who he is. I mean, like, you know, all of my friends know, but they've met, they've met Grandad. They know Grandad, not just as Harold John Bristol Rovers legend. They've been around, they've, you know, they've been to Rovers games, but I meet people that are my age and, and then they're, you know, oh, what, your granddad's Harold John. Oh, wow, yeah. You know, and I, and I think that that's a really nice feeling because I, I think that the one thing that Bristol Rovers fans are good at is we, we remember our legends you know, and, you know, like with what you guys are doing at the moment, but the, the thing is, whenever they ever do anything for the legends at the Rovers, the queues are miles long, yeah. you know, for whoever it is. And whenever anybody gets brought out at halftime, there's big cheers and everybody remembers. And I think that is just something that is so great about our football club is we remember people for what they've done. Yeah. And I think it's such a lovely thing. Definitely. Definitely. Kev. Yeah. I'd just like to let you know, Sam, that my, one of my best mates' dad has been watching Rovers for like 
60 years and he he's a, a classic west enclosure moaner he doesn't reckon we've had a decent player for 30 years but <laughs> when he knows that i've spoken to your granddad he, he's going to be jealous of me because he, he talks about harold all the time here we are i'm going to give him passing back now that's all right thanks can sam I, can i just say that i've been so lucky off the field with the grandchildren that I've got. Yeah. And and the wife that I've got. Uh, all the business about being on the field and all this, you can't do it without having somebody as, as support. And I, you know, the grandkids, they, they're wonderful, lovely. I, Sam was on about going on the pitch and he's been on the pitch with me. And that, Actually, I haven't been on the pitch. The, no, one you the one time you asked me to go on the pitch, I got too scared and stood up, stood by the tunnel. Yeah, Ethan and Henry, on the other hand. Well, Henry is another one, and this is a lovely little story, really. Because um, I, I was down at down the bottom end, you know that thing that they got beyond the goal down the bottom end. Yeah, and the, I tent. Had to walk, the tent. Yeah, <laughs> I had to walk up the side of the pitch, and. He was about six or seven, eight at the time. So I walked up the side of the pitch and the people recognized me and started kindly giving me a clap and all this business. And uh, we went and we made, we, we, we made the draw for half time, walked back down the pitch and the, the people clapped again. And as, as, as they clapped, he looked up at me and he said, I love being famous, Granddad. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. Listen, Harold, it's been an, an immense pleasure to, to have you on. Thank you for taking the time out and coming and talking to us because oh, it's, it's, it's been an absolute uh, treat for us. The other us. thing I wanted to say before you go oh, yeah. was this business about the European Super League. Okay, yeah. And the, and the fans, and the, it proved one thing. It's a game for supporters, yeah. not for anybody else, not for rich people, for ordinary people like yourselves. Yeah. And I was so, so pleased that um, the supporters came out as they did, and they, they changed the minds of those people, and they ought to be kicked out. I agree. I agree yeah. completely. So thanks for joining us. It's you know it's, you. it's been a it's been a you know for Simon who's seen you play you were the manager when I first started going um, you know and to to Ash you're a name from the past I guess and Kev but it's, you were you were actually my granddad's favourite player so whenever I used to sit down and talk to my granddad about football before he sadly left us he would wax lyrical about Harold <laughs> in the wing um, good on him a, a proper winger. Was what you <laughs> what you should describe you as um, with a proper like, ball. Can you hear the tone and voice sing? I can hear everything. So thanks for joining us on Retro Rovers. Check out our website www.retrorovers.co.uk. Lots of images of days gone by, and that's where you can catch up with all our latest episodes. They're also available on all your favourite podcast applications as well 
Don't forget, if you want to check out what's going on a bit more up to date on Rovers, check out the guys at Gascast, do a great job at keeping you entertained with all the latest happenings at the club. We'll see you on the next episode. Bradford Mayor Bix, the 7th of January 1956. And can you hear the talk?